Good morning, Harrier. Good morning, Adriana. Ready for another great episode? Yes. Last week, King Spinhead released the vapors of people's lives. Penny reached her mother's home only to be attacked by Hobbs, who were lying in wait for her. Hobbs, always up to something. Yes, and so are we. Enjoy episode 15, everyone. The mountains loomed before them. They entered a low-hanging fog as they trudged further west. The somber trio stuck close together as they pushed through the thick haze. The horses snorted and looked around them. She sensed their nerves flaring as the wind brought with its sinister scents of foreign creatures, giants, and hobs. They continued for several days in this manner, huddled together against the chilling elements. Drifa pressed them on. They stayed in traveler shelters like the one they had drugged high in, but the further they traveled from Volksmarchen, the sparser the cabins grew until they were no longer they set up tents for shelter and built small campfires. Each day grew shorter than the last. The night sky filled with moving lights of green, purple, red, and blue. Drifa told them the lights were reflections off the city of Atmos from the twin waterfalls that powered the city. Alarleirau smiled to herself. When she had lived in Atmos, the common belief was that the lights signaled the death of a giant of the north, lanterns lighting the path to the kingdom of light. She didn't share this with Penelope or Drifa. The other two would wonder why she knew what the mysterious Hobbs believed. She decided to keep to herself and remained silent as she rode behind the others. Her coat made of patchwork fur started to blend in with the surroundings as the trees grew, warped and stunted, casting crooked striped shadows across their path. She felt warm and synchronized with the ebb and flow of nature. Drifa wore a heavy cloak, but she thought Penny suffered as the cold seeped in through the gaps of the wool blanket she grabbed from the hunting lodge. On the fifth day, Alarleirau left the others and did a bit of hunting. Their rations were low. Easy game grew scarce this high in the mountains, so Drifa sent her on ahead to catch their dinner. Pine martens were plentiful up here, but difficult to find. She had to leave behind Drifa, who was prone to the occasional boisterous laughter when telling stories of the forest, and Penelope, whose horsemanship was poor and who muttered curses of frustration to find the elusive Martins. She inhaled the cold air, enjoying the solitude, when the faint scent of Hobbs touched her palate and disappeared before she could be sure. She followed the breeze, catching the scent every so often. The smell tasted faint, but grew stronger as she crested a hill and peered below her into a small camp 
made for three or four hob soldiers. She grew wary, but the scent was old. This camp had broken up days ago. She scurried down the hillside, clinging to the shadows of trees and bushes. Two small lean-tos sat next to a large gray fire pit that no longer smoldered. She plunged her hand into the ash, cold, and it crumbled when she raised her hand. She looked around and realized that this was the worst place to set up a camp. Protected by the biting wind, yes, but surrounded by hills and open to any enemies that chanced upon them. She decided to leave and erase her trace of being there, but a large shape in one of the hovels caught her eye. She approached with caution and poked the furry mass with a stick. It didn't move. She kicked at it and rolled it over. She smiled to herself when she realized it was nothing more than an animal hide. By the look and smell of it, it had been a massive bear. She picked it up and heaved it over her shoulders. She entered the camp as Drifa and Penny started the fire for the evening meal. She gave Drifa the three plump pine martens she had hunted and offered the bear hide to Penelope. The girl's eyes widened. For me? She shivered. Thank you. She wrapped the bear skin around her and snuggled down in the crook of a tree. Did you steal that? Drifa questioned. Alerle Rau looked down, not saying a word. Tell me, did you steal that hide? Drifa asked again. Alerle Rau nodded, the wolf head bobbing at a crooked angle. Now our position is compromised, Drifa seethed. Someone's bound to come looking for their hide, and when they do, they'll certainly find us. There's no protection in these mountains from the hobs. She slumped back, fuming. Alerleirau stirred at the fire with a charred stick. She didn't want to talk to Drifa. She dragged the stick over the black embers and unearthed their bright red hearts burning beneath but when she looked up, she caught Penny's smile and didn't care what Drifa had said. She never had a friend. Yes, she liked the women she cooked for, but they were all folk and had cares and thoughts she couldn't understand. Happy that she reached out to the human girl, she sank back into a small stump and joined Drifa in skinning the martens. You get midnight watch, Drifa grumbled. Alerleirau nodded and continued stirring the embers, entertaining the thought of having a friend. Queen Ashenpootle. She scowled at High as he paced back and forth across her great room. She buried her head in her hands, letting her stiff shoulders sag. All her planning had failed. High cleared his throat. She knew that he felt uncomfortable seeing her so upset. She straightened and cast anger-filled eyes upon him. So how many days has it been? I'm not sure, my queen. High averted his eyes from her gaze. I received word this morning. It was three days ago that she was poisoned. Your seven servants 
lay her in a crystal box, knowing that would keep her alive. But soon after that, a platoon of hobs rode by. One of them breathed into her the breath of life. She woke up, and they took her with them. Hot anger rose in her cheeks. The servants put up a valiant fight, but they couldn't stop them, Hai continued. She bashed her fists on the arm of her great throne. She stood up and uncovered the ancient mirror, turning her sea dragon eye towards the glass. Show me the hub, king. The mirror swirled and a dark shadow morphed into the shape of the king, resting on his throne in the dark chambers of his court. A raspy cough shook his shoulders. He sat alone. The queen cursed. I don't know if he has her or not. A sharp knock interrupted their conversation. What do you want? The queen barked, throwing the velvet covering back over her mirror. My queen! An exuberant voice from the other side rang out. I have good news. She shot high an angry nod. He opened the door and the messenger ran into the room, not seeming to notice their distressed looks. An animated smile stretched across his face. They're awake! They're awake! He looked between them with excitement. She felt her eyes narrow. She did not like being so cynical, but time had made it hard for her to trust anyone. If this is some hoax, or by some devil-inspired foolery, you are lying, she approached the messenger with her hands clenched. Listen to the man, Hai said. She glared at him and continued. But if you are telling the truth, then you shall be rewarded with land, money, and title. The messenger's face beamed. Yes, yes, my queen, all is true. The king, your infant son, and all of those under the dark spell of the death sleep are now awake. His face glowed with happiness. He seemed to be telling the truth, but she did not feel the joy she imagined she would feel after all these years. Instead, dread filled her heart at the thought of her husband finding out Snow was a captive of the Hobbs. He always loved his first daughter, and she had tried to protect her for so long. Now, Snow was gone. The messenger and High exchanged looks. She could see them shift about uncomfortably. She cursed them for bringing her the news of Snow's disappearance and her husband's awakening on the same day. This was to be joyous news. She sighed. Well, I must see this for myself to believe it. Hi, gather a small squadron to escort me to the Crystal Caves. Hai nodded and swept out of the room with the messenger. She paced back and forth, hoping that the messenger had lied. Penelope A pelting of pebbles woke Penny from her slumber. A silhouetted drifa stood over her and sifted dirt onto the bare hide she wrapped herself into the night before. Wake up, she encouraged her with a prod of her toe. There's no sleeping in today. We're getting closer. Penny squinted up at her. 
The sun did not yet peer over the edge of the world. She groaned and rolled over. Alele Rao sat on her donkey, ready to go. Penny wrapped the hide closer around her and mounted her horse, still half asleep. They spent the morning descending the back half of the mountains. The earth grew warmer as they reached the valley floor. She took off her bare hide and let the sweet sun kiss her arms. They entered a forest, old with trees whose branches scraped the earth. Lichen and moss grew over the trees and rocks. Unlike the ancient woods where Personette's tower was hidden, these woods felt empty. The occasional bird flew overhead, and sometimes they heard the rustling of small rodents, but the cacophony of life that echoed everywhere else on the isle was missing. The stillness could have been peaceful, but it filled her with dread. They rode into a clearing filled with burned trees. Ash covered the ground. Their horses' hooves kicked up the soot, and it blew into their faces. She covered her mouth and nose with a flap of the bare skin. Where the trees grew thickest, they had to ride single file through the black, charred trees, and then Penny would cover her whole head as Drifa's horse would kick ashes into the air. As they rode, Drifa let out little bird calls, but since there were few birds, the calls sounded strange and abrupt in the silent air. She whistled every few minutes, and soon a similar whistle came back to them. Drifa whistled again, and someone immediately responded. What are you whistling for? Penny asked with suspicion. She didn't feel like seeing any new distractions. She just wanted to get to Atmos. Drifa smiled and pointed above them. As she did, the object at which she pointed leapt down in front of Penny. Oi, you spotted me, the creature said as he unfolded himself. Spotted you? It's pretty easy in this sparse forest, Drifa teased. She jumped off her horse and hugged the young man. Penny peered at the strange boy, only a few years older than she. He was the oddest person she had ever seen. His shoulder-length brown hair stood out wild and coarse. His dark eyes darted about from Drifa to Alarle Rau, then finally to her. She wanted to look away in embarrassment, but she couldn't stop staring. Faint yellow patterns crossed over his light brown face and arms. It took Penny several more moments before she realized that he hugged Drifa with four arms and stood on four furry legs. He had leapt down from the tree above using a silk thread that grew from the nape of his neck. If it hadn't been for his human face, height, and torso, Penny would have thought him a giant spider. Despite his easy grin, Penny ducked behind her horse's ears. She didn't like spiders. Penny, Alerleiru, this is my brother-in-law, Benin, a prince of the spiders. Drifa smiled. Your brother-in-law? The two girls questioned with confusion. Does that mean you're married to a spider? Penny whispered. Drifa nodded. Where is that old spinhead? 
Strifa asked Benin. His jovial face grew serious. It's good you are here, he whispered. What happened? Drifa's relaxed demeanor stiffened. A fire broke out in the meadow from the grove of the god. He searched her face for a reaction. Curse you, Benin, that's obvious. We've been walking through burnt trees for hours. Where is Spinhead? He was in the grove when the fire broke out. He looked down. What? Drifa cried. He vanished, Benin said. Drifa seemed to relax a bit. So he's not, he's not, she stuttered. Benin grabbed one of her hands. No, he's not dead, he assured her. Penny felt sorry for him as she saw all of Drifa's fear turn into rage as she pushed him away. You fool! Why are my husband's brothers not searching for their king? Benin looked ashamed. We have searched. We've looked everywhere. But we're not sure where to start. Most of the meadow was destroyed, so it's hard to look for clues. And as we're scattered without homes, more and more of us have been disappearing. He mumbled. Drifa narrowed her eyes and crossed her arms. Do you think the Hub King has had anything to do with this? She glared. He's the only one who would, he said. We're going to the land of the Hobbs now to rescue her mother. Drifa jutted her chin towards Penny. His eyes strayed to Penny, and she smiled a little as he feigned surprise in seeing her for the first time. Ah, the daughter of the weaver. It's a pleasure to have someone so distinguished in our forest. He bowed. Drifa wrapped an arm around Penny. Never mind it. We'll stay here tonight. Tomorrow we will leave, and I will search for my husband and rescue the story weaver myself. Binnan smirked at Drifa and beckoned them to follow him into the woods. Drifa's stern brow looked deep in thought, but curiosity forced Penny to question her. Why are you married to a spider? She whispered. She didn't want Benin to overhear and be offended at the repulsion she could not hide in her voice. Drifa smiled a thin smile. When I was a child, my mother would lie me on a blanket outside in the sun as she went about her work. The wild birds and the insects kept me company. One day, a little spider came along and stayed. He was my first friend. We grew up together, playing in the garden, fishing with my father and brothers, and exploring the forest around my home. Until one morning, he didn't return. For several years, I heard nothing of my little spider friend, and it was time for me to marry and find a husband. But all of my suitors were... unsuitable. She winked at Penny. Just as my parents thought me doomed to live with them forever, and an old maid at the age of twenty, a new suitor came whom I liked very much. Drifa laughed, which made Penny smile. Oh, he was tall and handsome of face, with a strong chin and dark eyes. He said he was my old friend from the garden. I didn't believe him, but then he unfolded his two other arms and legs, 
and I knew him to be my spider friend. We married the next day, much to my parents' surprise, and I came here to live with him in his forest and reign as his queen. She sighed. Penny tried to imagine Drifa as a queen, dressed in beautiful gowns and presiding over balls and affairs of state. But it was hard to imagine the dirty, fierce woman who rode alongside her wearing such finery. We lived very happily for several years, but then the death sleep overtook my whole family, except High, of course, and the only option we found was to put them in the Queen's Crystal Caves, so I had to leave my husband and my home and work for the Queen. She looked down at her hands and grew quiet. But if your husband's a king, why couldn't you just pay for your family to stay in the caves? Penny wondered. Drifa laughed. Spiders have no use for money, no use for things, so they have nothing to barter. They're terrible allies, as they do not enter the affairs of others. So the only thing I had left to give was myself. She shrugged. For the past twelve years, I've seen my husband in the winters, when the snow is too deep to go on missions for the queen. She said and sniffed. Penny looked over to see if she was crying, but to her surprise, Drifa laughed. And now, my idiotic brother-in-law has lost him. Benin whirled around. A hurt look flashed across his eyes. You know, Spinhead leaves for days and weeks at a time. We suspected foul play because he sensed that you would be here soon. He never goes far when he knows you're coming, and he never would have left us after a fire destroyed the grove. Drifa seemed content with her husband's loyalty and reassured Benin that it was not his fault. They left behind the bleak, burnt trees and entered a large glen. Billowing grass rippled ahead of them like waves on the sea. Benin seemed to float over the grass as he lifted his legs high. He looked back at Penny over his shoulder. Beware of the webs, he warned her with a wink. She looked down at the ground and saw fragile reflective strings crossing the field. Webs spanned the openings of the trees around the meadow. A somewhat open place to choose for hunting grounds, Drifa said behind them as she picked her way over the webs. It's the best spot after the fire. All the game in the mountains come through here. Their usual grazing ground is gone. Hunting's actually never been so easy. He shot back at her. They tiptoed over the webbing. Penny noticed mounds covered in translucent string. Hooves stuck out from a deer-sized bundle a few meters from her. She leaned over to Drifa. Is that an animal? She eyed the lump suspiciously. Yes, Drifa's eyes gleamed. They catch their prey with the webs and eat whatever they catch together in the evenings. She leaned in closer. That's why I brought my own cook, because they eat their prey alive and raw. She wrinkled her nose. Penny shuddered, hoping Drifa was teasing her. They reached the other side of the glen. 
Benin plucked the strings of a web spanning between two oaks. A deep vibration filled the air, and soon the entire area filled with notes from the webs covering the trees. Hundreds of spider people descended, scuttling down their webs and plucking the strings. Deep, rich notes filled the air. A hollow timber vibrated in Penny's chest. The mournful notes beckoned a group of large spiders to the front. They looked like Benin, but hairier and older. Queen Drefa has arrived! Benin bellowed, projecting his voice to the far reaches of the glen. The spiders nodded towards Penny and Drefa, and the forest filled with spider families gathering around them. Councilmen, Drefa nodded to them in return. Benin continued, Queen Drefa is going to search for our king. I want the council to form and tell her what we know about his disappearance, he said. A cold gray spider approached the group and bowed before Queen Drefa. His back spanned a meter and coarse hair grew all over his body. Penny couldn't see any markings on his skin, but two fangs hung down from his mouth. The fangs muffled his voice. Penny could hear him say, The council will convene after dinner to discuss the disappearance of King Spinhead. Drefa interjected, We're leaving before the sun comes up in the morning, so I expect to know everything that happened on the day my husband... Your king disappeared well before we retire for the evening. The members of the council looked at each other, but nodded to the queen. The old spider lifted an anvil and struck a long string woven out of thousands of silk strands. The vibration echoed across the field. Spider children carried torches and threw them into a pit, in the middle of the glen filled with wood. A member of the council walked over to the fire and lifted a vat of oil high above his head. Muttering a prayer, he doused the fire with oil, and the flames leapt skyward. The rest of the council moved across the meadow. Hundreds of spiders leapt from trees to the ground. Many rolled lumps of silk in front of them, Penny saw hooves sticking out of the large bundles and feathers sticking out of smaller ones. A spider maiden with a long, slender back and black patterns across her white skin ushered them into a high table overlooking the garden. Drefa sat on a chair in the middle, woven out of branches and covered in moss. Penny and Aller Leirau sat on either side of her as the guests of honor. You will not like how they eat their food, Drefa whispered back to them. But they ate the same things we do. Penny grimaced as she saw deer, wild boar, pheasants, and goats all roll past her wrapped in translucent string. Alarleru began to unpack her satchel, loaded down with their food and supplies. Penny turned to help her, but three young spiderlings carrying plates overflowing with roasted duck, venison, field mice, rabbits, and plucked birds of all sizes, scurried before them and presented the plates with ceremony. Penny saw Drefa shake her head to Alarleru. 
The latter nodded and repacked her bag. Skinned and cooked to your satisfaction, Queen Mother. One of the spiderlings nodded to Drifa. She thanked them and turned to Penny. Mother is their highest term of reverence. Drifa began to dish Penny's plate high with the meat. For spiders, a female with a family is the ultimate hierarchical figure. As King Spinhead's wife, I've obtained the same status as a spider mother. The smell wafting off the hot meat made Penny drool, but she hesitated eating before Drifa. She knew that it was rude to eat before a queen. Instead, she turned to watch the strange behavior of these creatures that were almost human, yet completely arachnid. The women spiders stood a head taller than their male counterparts and had triangular heads with six tiny eyes in their foreheads and two larger eyes where a human's eyes would be. A spider mother lumbered by rolling what looked to be a dairy cow. She rolled the cow with her two front arms to the middle of the glen. When she stopped, dozens of her little arachnid children scrambled off her back and joined in on the meal their mouths opening like human children, but large fangs emerged from their interior cheeks. They stabbed their prey and began to suck the fluids from the cow, reminding Penny of their more innocent-looking human counterparts, sucking on a thumb. Would they eat us? Penny asked Drifa without taking her eyes off the suckling children. Goodness, no! Drifa laughed. They are not cannibals. She grabbed a thick, dripping turkey leg and began to eat. Penny followed suit. The flavorful meat filled her nose and eyes with the smoky, rich taste. She watched the spiders with trepidation. They did not appear violent or bloodthirsty at all, except when they ate. The spider mothers gathered in small groups, laughing and talking between gorging themselves on animal blood. Spider fathers stood on the perimeters watching their families eat. Every now and then, a father would scurry in towards the center and try to plunge his fangs into the meat, but the mother would flick him away from the meal until she and the children were done. Once the children had backed away, she let him in with a gracious flourish. Alalayrao, Penny hissed. You should be careful they don't eat you, since you look like a wolf. Alarle Raoul looked up, terror creeping across her face, and Penny giggled. They know she's not a true wolf. They can sense her underneath all those skins. Drifa laughed. Throughout the meal, the spiderlings would bring bits of choice meat to Drifa. If they were cooked, she would take a piece for herself and Penny and Alarle Raoul. And if they were raw, she would smile graciously and send it to one of the members of the council as a gift. After dinner, the spider mothers gathered their spiderlings on their backs and began to retreat into the dusk. Some of the mothers stayed behind with the council members and clustered around Penny and her companions. Drifa sat in the chair with a calm look on her face, but Penny could see her hands clench the arms of her chair. So what happened to my husband? She directed her question to the large council member they had spoken to earlier, 
He looked down at the ground, then back up to the queen. He went to the grove of the god to say the morning prayers. A fire started around the grove, hemming him in. The fire spread across the meadow into the forest. We were forced to leave, he said. Drifa clenched her chair again. I understand. You have families. You must protect them. Continue, please, Vadaviva. The councilman nodded and finished. When we were returned to the grove of the gods, the king had vanished, and the grove lay untouched. Drifa snorted. Of course the grove lay untouched. The god would never let it burn. Well, if my husband is the Hob King's captive, then my companions and I will go rescue him, along with the story weaver. We are a rescue party anyway. What's one more person to save? She cocked her head and grinned. Moira has been taken too? A mother spider gasped. Yes, mother, Drifa bowed. The king of the Hobbs is planning to interfere with all our lives then, the spider mother murmured. The council member interrupted. We are lost then. Our one hope is to retreat further south. No, Drifa interrupted. She stood up, her normally calm face overcome with rage. We are not lost. We are not dead. The Hob King may try to control our stories and own our destinies, but if we fight, then we will conquer him. We will be a cause for good on this isle, and not an effect of some evil's demented wishes. She turned to Alarleiro and Penny. We cannot spend the night here. I realize now that the situation is grave, and the Hob King may be using my husband and your mother to launch his attack against us all. We will travel through the night. She turned back to the spiders who gathered close around them. The best recourse is to have a small rescue party go after them. If that fails, we may need to launch a full assault against the Hobbs. If we are not back in seven days, you will need to gather an army. The council members began to mumble in low voices to each other. Silence! Drifa stood up, quieting them. That is the word of the Queen Mother. I leave you to rebuild your hunting grounds, but be prepared for war. The spiders nodded. An old mother spider let herself down from the shrub she rested on. She pushed a pack of food towards Drifa and kissed her on the cheeks, blinking her eight eyes. Other spiders came forward, one with a tint made of fur, one with a sharpened dagger for Penny and arrows for Drifa and Alarleirau. Benin pushed his way through the crowd. Wait for me, I'm coming. You need a climber. Atmos is surrounded by high walls and towers. Drifa clasped him on the shoulder. An able climber indeed. You are more than welcome to come, she said. He winked at Penny. Embarrassment rushed to her cheeks, and she hoped Drifa didn't see. They left the horses with the spiders. The terrain between the spider meadow and Atmos was too treacherous to try and ride through. 
covered with fallen boulders and surrounded by towers of piled stone. The horses would surely turn an ankle. Drifa assured Penny that the spiders would not harm them. They would be waiting there, safe and healthy, when they returned in triumph with her mother and King Spinhead. Penny bid farewell to the chestnut mare and walked into the night. The spider colony disappeared behind them, and their path unfolded before them as their eyes adjusted to the dark. How'd you like that episode, everyone? I really liked it. I like the spider folk. Me too. They have a lot going for them. Four arms, four legs, eight eyes, two fangs. They're very versatile. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy episode 16 coming out next week.